and welcome. You're listening to IASA's Additional Coverage Podcast, episode number 10. I'm your host, Tim Hicks, and joining me for today's additional coverage, I'm pleased to welcome Darren Reffitt. Thank you so much for having me, Tim. Darren is the Director of Product Marketing at Guidewire, where he is responsible for delivering and implementing scalable best practices to deliver consistently excellent results from planning through execution and measurement. Today, though, we're going to talk about how emerging voice technology is changing the customer experience. But first, I would like to recognize the support received from IASA's member companies and volunteers. IASA is the voice of the insurance industry. If your company is not already a member, I encourage you to consider all the benefits that come with membership in IASA. You can find out more at IASA.org. Hey, Darren, always a pleasure to talk with you. I love today's topic because just about everyone, whether they realize it or not, is jumping on the bandwagon of voice technology experiences. I mean, I've got a smart speaker sitting right here next to my desk, and I use it to control the lighting in my home, amongst other things. And when it works, it's great. But if the Internet goes down, (laughs) I almost don't know what to do. I forget that I can still operate a light switch. So talk for a few minutes, if you will, about how the technology has changed in recent years and where you see opportunities to leverage the emerging technology, particularly in the insurance industry. Sure, I'm happy to. Yeah, it was funny. About two years ago, a friend of mine made a comment on Facebook that he just needed to do a hard reset of a light bulb and that society was doomed. And it was really an interesting point to make because... (laughs) I have I have lights all through my house and you're absolutely right when they work they work but when they don't they don't and I think that's kind of what's been been hindering voice technology just a little you know internet of things technologies are are amazing but they're not always 100% reliable but I think what's really interesting is if you look at the statistics of how many people are doing voice search and how it's changing their behaviors You can see it a lot in, for example, if you're looking at SEO and you're analyzing keywords for how people search out things, more and more you can see that keyword searches are changing from text to voice, which is an interesting thing to do if you're in the the search engine optimization world. And the way you can see that, right, is that if I, we've all learned through the years that if I'm going to go search for something on Google, I'm going to put in the base information that I need for that. So if I'm searching for a restaurant in my hometown, and I just recently moved to Plano, Texas, I'm going to search sushi Plano, Texas, right? I'm not going to ask it as a question. I'm going to put in the key information that I'm trying to get Google to optimize for. But that's not how voice search works. When I'm doing voice search, I'll say, hey, Google, find me a great sushi restaurant near my home or something like that. And Google knows where I live. The voice device knows where I am. And so you can see in search results, the terms that are driving people to your website are slowly changing. And that's what I think is really important for insurance companies to start thinking about is that people are more and more looking to their devices to be connected and be able to answer questions. And this is something I've been able to do for years with American Express, right? I've pre-connected my Alexa device to my Amex account, and that allows me to actually just say, you know, Alexa, open my American Express account. And so it'll pop up. It'll ask me to put in a a four-digit PIN, 
because it's already it wants to make sure that my you know my neighbor's not doing the same thing. But based on that, I can find out when my payment is due. I can find out my balance. I can check to see whether a transaction is cleared or I've gotten a refund I'm expecting. I no longer need to go onto an app or log into a website. I can do that via my voice. And so I think more and more we need to expect that to be happening with insurance companies. Imagine I'm I'm someone who was in an accident and I'm trying to find out a status of my claim and I forget to call because of working hours. I'm overwhelmed with work. My kids are here. I'm in the kitchen chopping onions. Instead of having to pick up a phone, imagine the convenience of just being able to say, hey, Alexa, tell me whether my insurance claim is cleared or, you know, I ask for it to open up the application for a particular insurance company. And that device knows everything that I could log in for. And so I think that's where it becomes a huge opportunity in the future to just consistently be able to meet customers where they are. Right. And I know exactly what you're talking about. I can ask Alexa, what's the mileage on my Jeep? And she's trying to come up with that answer right now because I said her name. And she'll she'll come back and tell me that, or what's my fuel level, you know, those sorts of things like that. So when we get to the notion of doing this sort of voice technology for the insurance industry, we could, for example, say, what's the status of my application? Or I could even start an application, couldn't I? Well, that's an interesting one. And I think that's where people really get hung up on how to use voice technology. I think it really has to be thought through from a customer standpoint. And we're, again, meeting the customer where they're going to be, right? So imagine having to, saying, I want to get auto insurance and having to read your VIN number to Alexa and then having to provide your address and provide, you know, like there's there's use cases that just aren't going to make a whole lot of sense because the experience is going to be more laborious and more confusing. Even now with Alexa, there are times where I'll ask or with Siri, I'll, I'll ask for something, it'll mishear me or mishear a number. And then I say, no, that's not correct. Oh, please enter it again, right? Those are places where it doesn't make necessarily a whole lot of sense to drive experience. But think about that I'm already a homeowner or let's flip it. I'm, I already have my auto insurance and I check to find out about my claim. And now the, the device says, by the way, we recently sent you an offer to save you money on homeowner's insurance. Would you like to submit information on that? Well, there's a great use case where, oh, I'm already a customer. And now you're trying to cross sell me and for convenience, I can say, sure, give me a quote. It already knows where I live using tools and technology that can pre-fill all of the data about the home. You may have to ask one or two questions that are yes, no. Do, do you have a covered pool in your home? Because the, the aerial satellite imagery can't determine whether or not there's something there covering it. And so you're just trying to verify a couple pieces of information. That's a place where it could be really usable. Or looking at the financial world, this already exists. If I've already got a mortgage, I can easily open up a bank app and say, hey, I'd like to apply for a home equity loan. And the, the device can just say, sure. Um, or is this for the same property that your mortgage is on? Yes. Okay. Well, you know, based on looking at the, the mortgage information you have, it looks like you'd be a great candidate. Should we submit an application and we'll follow up? Right. There's ways to use it for that, for those use cases, but you need to think about the customer experience. How much work is going to go into using voice? Versus where does it make a lot more sense to go online? Wow, you just brought up another good point, and, and that is synergy. The synergistic experience, the symbiotic experience between 
For example, insurance companies and banks, insurance companies and auto manufacturers. Where do you see other synergies? I mean, I know you've thought a lot about this. Where do you see other synergies that can happen with this? Yeah, it's it's interesting. In my in my last role prior to Guidewire, I worked for a voice technology company, which is why I was so excited to come on here and talk about this. And I, I think that's what a lot of of what we were looking at because because voice has been so helpful in the financial world and and much more prevalent. Uh, and and if you think about it, fintech was already several years ahead of insurtech to begin with. So it just made sense that insurance should be looking into more what banks are doing to try and drive it. But I, I think that more and more, let's be honest, right now, if you look up and anyone can Google this at home, if you look up what are the top uses that people have for voice technology right now, it's playing music, turning lights on and off, doing quick search of things or you know, shopping through Amazon, telling it to order something. Those are where people are primarily using it. But more and more, we're expecting our phone to do this stuff, right? So I think the places that you can look really are um, how retail stores are, are using it. From an insurance agency perspective, for example, optimizing for voice search is a huge, huge thing. It's, it's a whole different way of, of optimizing your search. So a lot of the, a lot of the retail restaurants and, and retail establishments have gotten really good at this. Let me give you a great example. If, if I'm looking for the nearest bank to me and I'm using the internet, I'm going to say this bank and the, the address I'm at, and it'll find the nearest couple uh, restaurants. Or if I'm looking for a store, you know, find the closest Macy's to me, it'll be able to return that really easily. But what's happened is we tend to think in terms of addresses or we tend to think in terms of cities, right? And that's not how people search. They search based on landmarks. They search based on things when they're using voice search. So I worked with, I did some consulting with a friend of mine who was trying to do this. And when you looked on his website, everything was based on a store name. Like it it was his devices, it was um, Bitcoin ATMs. All of his devices were listed by a particular store. There was not a whole lot of organization. And I encouraged him to start putting landmarks. What's the closest major landmark to where you are? So in Boston, for example, put Boston Common as the location for this. Put Plymouth Rock for the location for this one, because that's kind of how people will do voice search, right? Find me the nearest Bitcoin ATM to Plymouth Rock, to, to Boston Common, or in Philadelphia to the Liberty Pell, to Independence Hall, these are the ways people kind of search. They think in terms of, of major things that are near the, what they're trying to get to. Or in the downtown area. They're not going to name a particular store. So that kind of search is there. So similarly, tying that back to insurance, insurance agencies, right, tend to be done the same way. They have an address. They have a, they have a city. But when you're thinking about using a website, putting a, a really common landmark or a neighborhood name is where you want to think. And that, that was the other thing I suggested, Dan. Don't just put a store name. You want to put Back Bay. You want to put downtown. You want to put financial district into those listings because that's another reference point. And the more of those kind of data points you give to, to Google and Bing, the better able they're going to be to provide you as the first answer that comes up when you search based on how people actually use their voice and use, use their neighborhoods and landmarks. I've noticed that in the hotel industry, particularly because you want to be close to a particular landmark. So here's this chain hotel near 
Liberty Bell near the aquarium. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That kind of thing. No, I'm living for the day that they really turn more Southern and say, now, if you keep going down 7th Avenue, because you're on 7th Avenue, once you get past the red light that's ahead of you, turn right. If you get to the school, you've gone too far. <laughs> or even worse, if you get to where Farmer Johnson's ranch used to be before it burned down in 1983, you've gone too far. Yeah, those, those kinds of references. My great References my grandfather would have used. Exactly. Mine too. And I think about for example, I use a digital bank. I don't, there's no brick and mortar bank of the bank that I use anywhere near me. However, they partner with several of the SNLs or community banks in my neighborhood. So I would love to be able to say to my phone, because I'm out driving and I need to swing by an ATM, where is the nearest Capital One location ATM nearest me? Well, then Capital One needs to know what banks are associated with them, which one is then closest to me. It's like, does that need to be a, a skill that they need to build? Yeah, there's a couple different ways they could tackle that. One could be an app that you just say, you know, Alexa or Siri, open up the Capital One app. And then you're you're working in that app, right, to find a surcharge for ATM or Capital One needs to have that as content within their website so that it's it's obvious that you're asking for, hey, find me a Capital One ATM that has surcharge free, AT the nearest ATM that's surcharge free for Capital One, right? So that's, that's data that they need to be providing in some way so that Google can identify that for you. I don't know if that exists right now for Capital One. PNC, for example, my bank, was really good with that. Like they had a whole network through Wawa uh, up in the Northeast prior to my move where all of the Wawas were on surcharge for ATMs and, and here in Texas, they're in different locations. But yeah, PNC actually does list that on their website. So I think it, I think it's, again, it's about being strategic with how you're searching stuff. But pulling that back to insurance, it could be used for things like insurance agencies, claim centers. What's the nearest claim center for, uh, for, let's say you're progressive. Where's the nearest progressive claim center to my neighborhood in Plano? Or even using an intersection. What's the nearest between Parker and Custer, right? The better you optimize your, data on your site and and all of that metadata that gets aggregated into Google, the better able the systems are going to be able to identify those things for you. So there's a lot of untapped opportunities still out there. Wouldn't you agree? I totally agree. Right. Yeah. It's the, it, I mean, and, and if you think back, it's no different than, you know, being able to optimize for searching a type of car, searching, you know, mm -hmm. if you want to specialize in a BMW, like right, right, there's partner programs through BMW for insurance, where if I say, you know, Google, help me find insurance for my new BMW, it, there are things out there that are going to drive you to that BMW insurance company that specializes in insuring them. But it's also going to drive me to other insurance companies and I'm probably going to get an ad to say 15% on car insurance in 15 minutes. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to get delivered that too. And that's another opportunity, right? Is voice search and paid advertising is starting to drive insurance as well. So there's more of a marketing and distribution opportunity is actually getting in on paid search opportunities when you're designing your marketing plan.
Yeah. And the sky's the limit. It really is. There are so many things you can do if you really put your mind to it. Darren, thank you so much for sharing a few minutes with me today. That's really about all the time that we have for today's podcast. But hey, if our uh, listeners would like to follow up with you, how can they reach you? Sure. I'm on Twitter at DMRefit. I'm um, available on LinkedIn. I'm also at DMRefit there, uh, linkedin.com slash in slash DMRefit, R-E-F-F-I-T-T. And you can always email me, drefit at guidewire.com. I was just going to say two Fs, two Ts. I make that mistake sometimes. And if you have uh, any comments about this show or any show suggestions, you can always email me at tim.hicks at fisglobal.com. Until next time, I'm Tim Hicks with today's guest, Darren Reffitt. Thank you so much. And I really appreciate you having me. Thanks for being here. And be sure to catch our next podcast when Tip Tipton and I will sit down and talk about some very important statutory regulation changes and the downstream effect that insurance carriers can expect. If you enjoyed this episode, I really encourage you to subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss those new episodes when they come out. Let your friends know, let your colleagues know uh, about the show. And if you don't mind, if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review the show. It helps others find us more easily. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time.